0: Before we get to our show, I have an ask of you, the listener. If you're new to us or you've enjoyed us for over the last four plus years and have gotten value out of listening, whether that be a new place to eat or a conversation that you've enjoyed, please consider sending some value our way. If you'd like to send a monetary amount, you can do so via Venmo or PayPal, and we are at Fatterday Omaha, that's F-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y-O-M-A-H-A, we would appreciate it, and 20% of those funds will go to a food-based program or charity and add value to other people's lives. If you don't have funds to spare, we'd appreciate your time and skills in sharing us on social, recommending us to others, liking and subscribing to the podcast, or maybe you have awesome skills like graphic design, marketing, or anything else. Email us at fatterdayomaha at gmail.com. Let's get to our show. You seem hungry. Good thing your table is ready with Saturday Omaha. Saturday Omaha. Eat this. Yeah, I, I like starting this episode with a with a sip of this coffee here. Oh, it does have a sweet note. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's super wild. Wow, wow. So as as we roll into this this episode, this is going to be the first. Coffee introduced episode. There's coffee that was brewed right before we started here. And Isaiah Sheese is here, owner and operator of Archetype Coffee. And he just brewed up some amazing coffee. And can you tell me again what those beans were? And then we'll get into some more conversation because this pretty much there was a bottle of I don't know like nineteen you know fifty champagne, but the coffee version that just got opened here. So so what what are we drinking?
1: Yeah, so this is uh, it's it's called Eugenoidus is the varietal, and so it's basically a parent of Arabica. So if you look at like the whole family tree, like this is all Arabica. This is Robusta. You don't want to drink it. Down here are the parents, and so this is one of the parents that was almost extinct That uh, a really fancy farm called Finca and Macalada, um, basically resurrected. And so, yeah, that's what you're drinking.
0: You said that this is a, a very limited bean. I think you said that the, the actual berry... That comes off the plant is very small, so you yeah. need you need more of them to to get a large yield. Um, and then on top of that, you had mentioned that because the amount of caffeine is a little bit less in the bean, that it's not quite as bitter, and also that this has a sweet note. And it, it if if I didn't know, I would almost say you put a little bit of sugar in here, but you didn't. I watched you watched you make <laughs> this. So yeah, no no sleight of hand. Well, <laughs> but but science happening here. I'm going to take another sip here. This is going to be the most this best caffeinated episode of Saturday Omaha ever. Nice. So so glad that you're here. Archetype known for awesome coffee. You also happen to have some really nice pastries and other things available in the shop. I uh, frequent the little Bohemia location and I am always greeted by Uh, warm staff and uh, a warm environment. You've got uh, the old Marantz uh, receiver sitting back there with some nice speakers up there. And it's just, it's just always a nice place to be. So it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you for saying that. That always feels good as
1: a, as a business owner to hear, you know, how people perceive your space and the staff. And anytime I hear great feedback like that, Makes you feel pretty warm inside.
0: Well, it's 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 very true, and that's that's 100 truth. I, I always enjoy it, and uh, I am a uh, cold coffee drinker. Typically, I run through, and and you guys have some awesome cold brew. And what I what I really like about the different shops around Omaha, all of our little shops, is if I get a cold brew at each one, they're exceedingly different between shops, and and so that's just really cool. So, I guess maybe begin at the beginning the beginning how did you get into coffee let's let's start there because the the level to which your understanding of coffee and competition that you do and things like that is is kind of like next level and pretty cool to have in Omaha. But how did you get started doing this thing? I give all the
1: credit to my grandmother starting me drinking coffee when I was like five or six. (laughs) (laughs) Really productive
0: in kindergarten. Well, yeah,
1: (laughs) my dad's side of the family only drank sweet tea and my mom's side of the family only drank coffee. And so my mom didn't drink coffee. My brother didn't drink coffee. My dad didn't drink coffee. And so I think grandma was like, we're not losing this one. (laughs) And so, (laughs) yeah, so started pretty young uh, drinking coffee and just fell in love with it from there.
0: That's awesome. What what did uh, grandma brew?
1: So grandma and grandpa, you know, uh, my grandpa, he's getting ready to turn 92. Oh, nice. Um, when they grew up, it was like whatever was cheapest and sure. available, you know. And so, um, yeah, just like that post, yeah, World War II, you know, everyone's saving all their money. And so it was always like Maxwell House or Folgers. Oh, it was yeah. Like whoever, Those were the
0: two options. Oh, yeah.
1: It was just the two options. And yeah, so whichever one, grandpa would always stock up on. Yeah, so cream and sugar and you know, making it sweet and milky.
0: Yeah. Coffee at a young age. And then how did that turn into, I want to start providing coffee for the the world through archetype?
1: The short, long story (laughs) is, (laughs) no, I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, after school and I had a friend that opened a coffee shop and asked if I wanted to help. And so I started working for her and that was kind of like the old school mom and pop shop of like, There's 20, 30 different flavors, you know, Melinda would make you a suicide latte if you want, like, (laughs) you know, and like, think it's the greatest thing. We had plenty of blended drinks. And so, but then I just kind of started diving deeper into coffee. And so there was a local roaster that opened up. He'd been roasting and his coffee was very different than what we were serving. And so I, I just started picking his brain and he's like, hey, why don't you come, come work for me? And so I broke up with Melinda God lover, they're still going. It's called Shades of Brown. Um, it's oh, still nice. Still open in Tulsa, and so started working for Double Shot Coffee. Um, his claim to fame was getting sued by Starbucks over the name and winning.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, because they have that little Double Shot coffee drink.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So he got sued, and he wasn't gonna get pushed around, and so ended up winning the lawsuit and keeping the name. Wow. Yeah. So Brian had taken me down to Columbia on a trip, and uh, I just kind of fell in love with it. You know, the people, the culture. Um, There's very few industries that you can affect positive change locally, nationally, and globally, and coffee is kind of one of those fields that you can. And so, yeah, being in Columbia, being around the people, uh, it was just kind of like a slippery slope. After that,
0: Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, because fair trade coffee and, and those kind of things. And my goodness. So now double shot. Is that of Dundee double shots? No, 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 no.
1: So we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, this is yeah, still Tulsa. Yeah. Oh,
0: OK. Yep. So
1: after that, my wife at the time we we're dating, but she did her fellowship in Milwaukee. So we moved okay. to Milwaukee for two years. Yeah. Um, and she was finishing up. Her fellowship, uh, and then she got a job at UNMC. Oh, so we moved here. Um, this year will be ten years. So wow, yeah, archetype turns nine in May, and yeah, we've been here for ten. So it was kind of like that point of my life of either change careers or you know follow your passion. And so there, at that time, there really wasn't anyone in town that could. Pay me what I'm worth, you know, at that time it was, you know, Hardy wasn't really around. That was a Roma still at the time. And Bean Smith was still way out West. They weren't even, they didn't even have their own shop. And so it was like, crap, what am I going to do? So uh, the last year that I was in Milwaukee, I took a business writing course and tried to put together a business plan. Uh, Didn't really have any money and then just figured it out when I got here.
0: Holy smokes. That's awesome. Well, so while you were still in Oklahoma, is that when you ended up in uh, taking the trip to Columbia then? Yeah. Okay. So you got to see coffee at the source. And like you said, a slippery slope there. And I have a feeling seeing the production and those things, since you're already interested in coffee, probably like kind of doubled down on your interest of like, Hey, here it is. And here's how, you know, where it's coming from and how that happens. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And while I was in Tulsa too, uh, Barista Magazine had just come out, and they had these little, like, uh, barista playing cards, like trading cards, like, you know, like baseball, basketball, you know, cards. Oh, cool. But it had people's ranks on it, you know, and I was like, what is this ranking, you know? Like, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, the United States Barista Championship started in 2002, and okay. so people had been competing, you know, more on, like, the East Coast and West Coast, and so they had a ranking. And so I told my, my boss, I was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to compete. So kind of joking around, well, so that next year he signed me up for a competition. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, like, I mean, we had the internet back then, you know, sure. we're talking like, you know, 2004, it probably would have been when I was working with him, probably 2008, because I think the first competition was 2009 for oh, right me. Out. And so he signed me up and
0: it was like, you know, I just had to figure it out. So, so he, he did the kind of the the coffee version of just throwing you in the pool and then oh, having you swim. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but you're giving a, a 15 minute TED talk while making drinks for judges, and you know, <laughs> it's it, there wasn't YouTube. You couldn't just like look it up and be like, oh hey, what are people doing? How right. do I do this? What's the format? It was like basically you had to read the rules you know and then try to translate what you think that the judges were wanting based off of those rules and then yeah i mean i was thrown in the deep end for sure
0: and and did you swim
1: i swam
0: how did it how did it go
1: so that year i came in 4th at regionals wow which advances you to nationals and uh-huh. so yeah
0: Wow. So you made it to nationals. I made it
1: to nationals and got my butt kicked.
0: <laughs> but still, just to make it to regionals, like out of the gate, that's yeah. pretty cool. So, so yeah. did, was there any advice or, or training? Did you, you know, go out in the woods and lift logs and, and, and you know, punch bushes or yeah. something? Or no, like, yeah,
1: I mean, we're definitely watching a lot of Rocky, but even more than that, like over the top, you know, where he's learning how oh, to arm. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah did you a, flip your
0: hat around backwards? That's what I yeah. did
1: on stage, on stage, uh, <laughs> which is probably why I didn't do very well at nationals. Um, no, yeah, just trying to find videos online at the time. You know, you could find a couple a couple of videos, but not very much. There weren't very many resources. And so then, yeah. you know, at Nationals, I think that first year it was in Portland, just watching people and taking copious amounts of notes of, like, what people oh, yeah. were doing. But even still, like, you know, the next two years, I placed top six at all those regionals. But I could not crack, you know, semifinals at, at Nationals. When we moved here, I took a year off and judged while I was doing the build out of the shop. Oh, okay. And so when I judged, it was like the most eye-opening thing that I've ever seen in my life.
0: To see it from the other perspective?
1: I wasn't playing the same game. Like I was playing the same game at
0: regionals,
1: but like at the national level, I just did not understand how they were interpreting the rules and where to get the points. Yeah. And yeah, so that next year, from then on out, I've made semifinals every year and finals uh, two years ago, so...
0: Dave hopping in mid-show. We didn't get to talk about Isaiah's favorite places to eat on his list, so I'll drop two of them here. Tixteco on 16th Street for Chili Rienos and Mole, as well as Salmex on 24th Street for Pupusas. Time to take a coffee sip. It's interesting because uh, a friend of mine and I went and got our KCBS uh, certified barbecue judge certificates, and in the class, the reason we went to do that is because everybody always says, oh, this is competition barbecue or this is competition. I'm like, well, let's go see what they're actually judging on. Yeah. But part of the class was that they had the barbecue teams come in and kind of listen and talk. So it was kind of neat to see both perspectives. So I could see where th- there's quite an advantage to doing the judging. So you'd be like, oh, this is what they're looking for?
1: Oh, absolutely. Completely different perspective and understanding. And You know, a lot of the people that were doing super well at nationals levels had coaches, but coaches were very expensive. And so for me, it was like, I mean, just opening a business, like I don't have the I didn't have the money to be like to paying someone to help me do that. And so, yeah, after that, it completely changed how I approach competition, Uh, the coffees that we bought for competition and the tasting notes that we called everything.
0: So I, I don't know word one about coffee competition, other than the short little bit that you and I have discussed so far, there's a time limit. Can you describe what it's like to compete? And what are they looking for? How, how does that work?
1: So basically, you have 15 minutes, you're serving four sensory judges, you have two technical judge and a head judge. So you serve the sensory judges, each, each a single espresso, a single milk drink, and then you create a signature beverage, uh, not using alcohol, and they judge you on coffee knowledge, bar management, taste, and waste. And so while you're serving them the drink, you're giving basically a 15-minute TED Talk as well. Everyone thinks it's all about the presentation, which that is part of it, like uh-huh. how how great the presentation is. But really, all of your points are how well you nail your tasting notes.
0: Oh, interesting. And, yeah. and when you say that, are you are – you, presenting to the judge, you tell them what it's going to taste like and yeah. they they, see, they taste and see if you were successful in describing them? Basically,
1: yeah. So you have to give um, like basically your tasting notes, then you have to give like the acidity, the sweetness and the body and you describe that. And so it's wow. basically how convincing are you with what you're serving and you do that for each course.
0: For those different preparations, are you using all the same beans, different beans, blends of beans, whatever you want to use. How does how does that work?
1: So you can use yeah, you use whatever you want. So okay. they they provide the espresso machine, the grinder, and the tables, but you have to provide all of your glassware, all your wares. You have to serve them water. Um, you have to wear an apron. Uh, yeah, and so whoever wins in the U.S. represents United States and Worlds.
0: Wow, have you been to World yet?
1: I came in fifth two years ago.
0: That's awesome. So,
1: yeah, so it's coming up. Uh, we have qualifiers coming up in January and March and then finals in Portland again in April.
0: Nice. So so Omaha is well represented on the uh, national and world stage then uh, via archetypes. So. Yeah, the
1: national stage. We're trying to crack in. Oh,
0: trying to crack into the You have the to win, world. yeah. That's yeah. fair. So with the tasting notes and, you know, if you're going to tell them, how bitter it is or how, or like this coffee, you know, you said, Hey, it's going to taste like maybe there's some stevia in it, even though there's not, it's a little sweet. So how do you present those different tasting notes? In other words, I mean, is there like a scale you're like, Oh, this is on a one to 10, this is an eight bitter. Or how how do you describe <laughs> what that's going to be? Are you like, ah, this is bitter or this isn't, you know, how does that go?
1: I mean, the coffee world is basically stealing a lot of, um, a lot of things from the wine world. And so okay. it's almost just like, you know, we have a, a scale of one to hundred um, you know, typically we talk in fruits, you know, like acidity. Um we talk just like citrus fruits, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you're just calling out different tasting notes like this coffee kind of tastes tastes like stevia, which is a tasting note. I right. think it it kind of has like bubblegum is kind of a tasting note. Um sticky pu'er rice tea is another tasting note on this coffee. But the problem with those you need to understand what notes your judges can resonate with the most. Like when was the last time you had a lime quad? Can you like pull that out of your brain?
0: No, yeah. I, I cannot.
1: So that would not be a good tasting note for me, <laughs> you know, but it's like last time, when's the last time you had an apple? It's like, okay. I'm, I'm a reason. Yeah. Well, yeah. What about a honey crisp?
0: Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? But sure. like,
1: if you add, if, if I were to say like this obscure apple, you'd be like, okay, I get an apple, but like, I have no idea what that apple tastes like, you know? So it's like right. trying to, you're trying to mitigate your risks with your tasting notes Um, But be as accurate and specific as possible because the higher the risk, the higher the payoff. Got you. And so it is a very, very, very tricky part. And that's probably the part that took us the longest to crack the code of.
0: Wow. Based upon where the competition is, because especially I I would think, I don't know, but on the world stage. So your judges are going to be from all over the world. A tasting note you might describe in the U.S. might be different. So how, how does one prepare for something like that? That's when you
1: need to have friends that have been on the world stage to kind of help you out. Um, because that's true. You're, you're having judges from literally all over the world. You might have someone from Italy. You might have someone from Korea, from China. I mean, like all over. And so you need to be very smart with um, your chasing notes.
0: Wow, how do you practice? I mean, obviously, probably drink a lot of coffee, but uh, you're obviously not going up there and just, you know, this first time. So, and and we were talking a little bit before as well, um, <laughs> getting over caffeinated, trying your own your own brew. So, yeah, how how does the the prep work go? Like, so I mean, you have to write a script. I mean, one, you have to
1: find a coffee. Like, a competition coffees are hard to find and procure. And so, finding a coffee is first. Then it's like, what do you want to talk about? You know, like that's the other deal. Like. You know, do you just want to talk about the coffee? Is there something that, you know, at the world stage, it's always like trying to push our culture further and further and further. And that's the reason why I used Eugenoidus. No one in the U.S. had ever competed with it. That coffee, um, someone from Germany, his name was Wojciech. He worked for Five Elephant in um, Berlin. He came in fifth with this exact same coffee that same year that I competed with it. I did not advance because the judges did not know how to score this coffee because it has a very low acidity, very low bitterness, and super high sweetness. Yeah. And so they said that it wasn't balanced because of that. But then the very next year, Andrea Allen from Onyx won with the same coffee. I'll so it's like sometimes it's like you just have to – I always talk about being on the cutting edge or bleeding edge. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those competitions, you know, in the U.S., you want to be on the cutting edge. Um, I mean, you want to be on the bleeding edge and not the cutting edge because you're too far ahead of the, the game. Ahead you of know? the curve, yeah. yeah. But like worlds, you want to push the boundaries. It's like what crazy thing can you come up with? How can you push our culture and make us think about coffee different? But the U.S. is still a little bit behind that.
0: Got you, yeah. got you. Thanks for being part of our show with Isaiah Sheese of Architect Coffee. They have several locations and you can find one of them at 1419 South 13th. Also, two more Isaiah recommendations to eat at with Mercury on 16th, where they have the cocktail Amatic. I hear the burger's pretty good too. Also, keep an eye out for nice rolls at Camp in Blackstone and Koji in Countryside Village. We're gonna head to a few messages, but Saturday Omaha will be right back with more coffee. quick break and a note that if you'd like to support our show, you can do so via Venmo or PayPal with the handle at Fatterday Omaha. That's F-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y-O-M-A-H-A. And if money isn't the thing, but you have talents or time you can lend our way, just shoot us an email at FatterdayOmaha at gmail.com or share and interact with us on social and help us grow. Back to the show. Welcome back to Saturday, Omaha. Dave Zorko here, and today we are talking all things coffee with Isaiah Shees, the owner of Archetype Coffee. Isaiah was prepping for coffee competition when we recorded this, and he even brought some amazing beanie goodness to the studio. This is a great conversation, and I learned a lot. I hope you enjoy our talk too. So you had mentioned finding a competition bean. What makes a bean a competition vein versus ending up in my Maxwell house thing that, that maybe my grandma's putting together.
1: So we talked about scores from one to a hundred. Yeah. You want to, you want a coffee that's 90 above 90 plus. And those coffees are just, you know, I mean, I can list the coffees that in my brain that I've had that are 90 plus, you know, like to break that 90 point line is really hard to get there and achieve. And there's not a ton of farms that are doing it. But the problem for me is the goal has always been to win with a smallholder farm. And so Two years ago, when I came in fifth, I used a farm called Finca Debra in Panama, and and I mean that coffee is absurdly expensive, and it is not a smallholder farm, you know. <laughs> yeah. But those are the guys that have the money to produce that type of coffee.
0: But yeah.
1: for me, it's always been like. You know, who pays our bills? You know, we sell like one percent of in a year, that's probably how much of those types of coffees we sell on our website. Yeah. But you know, like our daily drinkers, the ones that actually pay our bills, like those coffee farmers should be just as celebrated as those other ones. Yeah. So it's always been like this hard dance for me to figure out, you know.
0: Trying to represent both yeah. coffee types at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So I mean my moral standard's a little bit <laughs> higher. Yeah. Sure. Like I'm a very idealist when it comes to, you know, coffee and, and so, yeah, that's, it's a hard, it's a tricky dance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and you're, you're a small local business owner. You're yeah. representing other small businesses. Yes. You put a lot of pride in in your product and, and you want to make sure that, you know, that the word gets out there. So when you said 1 to 100, now, is that... An objective scale when you're looking at those beans or – I'm still so interested in the, the separation of sure. competition to non-competition sure. coffee. Like how do you decide it's a 90 or you try it and you're like, yeah, it's a 90.
1: So, the specialty coffee industry, in order to be specialty coffee has to score at least an eighty below eighty is going to be what we call commodity grade okay, and so all the coffees that archetypes you know we serve are all above eighty. most of the coffees we try to like eighty four and above, so like even our espresso blend, which would be a cheaper coffee than your daily, you know, I mean, then some of our single origin coffees, like it's still going to be an eighty-four, eighty-five. So what we're always looking for is like sweetness, clarity, but the specialty coffee, you cup coffees and that's how you score them. So just like you're tasting wine. Okay. What we do is we, it's called cupping. You put the coffee in a bowl, you fill it up with water. So you score the dry aroma, the wet aroma. Then you score the acidity, sweetness, bitterness, clarity, and then the aftertaste. And so each of each one of those categories gets 10 points, and there's 10 categories. And so it adds oh, up to 100. And okay. so whether you're in Omaha, Nebraska, or whether we're in Ethiopia, we're all going to cup the exact same protocol. And we have cupping sheets here just like they do there.
0: Got you. Got you. Okay. So, so as you are trying – these coffees, though, are you rating them for yourself, and you try it, and you're like, I believe that this is oh, an 80. Okay, so yeah. it's, it's not like the industry or the farm has already. They don't hand you this sheet and say, Isaiah, this is a this is a 95. Some and, farms do. Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's like. I mean, obviously tasting is very subjective, but to be, for us, like an archetype, to be a good taster, you need to be very objective. And so Mm -hmm. even if there's like an origin that I particularly don't care for, a processing style or a varietal that I don't personally um, like, can I still score it well? You know, so Sumatra is not my favorite origin. They're really earthy. They're super huge body. A lot of them do wet hulling, which basically means they don't dry the coffee all the way before they export it, and so okay. the moisture content is very unstable, and so that coffee can fade on you very fastly if um, if it's not stored correctly. And so I don't particularly care for them, but if I am a good taster, can I score a whole table of twenty Sumatran coffees and tell you which one is done well and which one's not done well? And so that just comes from lots of experience, lots of training, and understanding what's defects, what's you know preference, and what's
0: you know good and what's not. Dave hopping in mid-show. Hope you're enjoying our show with Isaiah Sheese of Archetype Coffee whose Blackstone location is at 3926 Farnham. Thanks for being with us today and we'll get back at it in just a moment. How do you avoid going taste blind, I guess, when you're (laughs) drinking so many different coffees, you know, so you're not like you just get lost in the mix there? Yeah, I mean, spitting
1: and it's really training. Like your tongue is a muscle and understanding how to use it. And so, it's lots and lots of training. When I was in Milwaukee, I was a quality control cupper for a company up there. And so okay. there are days, you know, that we would cup, you know, four rounds of tables. Each each coffee has three different cups, and we would have 20 coffees on a table. So that's wow. 60 cups. You're going to go around the table multiple times. So you have to be very efficient and wow. understand how to taste very efficiently. And so it just takes a lot, a lot of practice.
0: Wow. and And so in... Uh judging barbecue, one of the hardest things in learning that was that you are judging just the plate presented you, not the yes. not the one you had before it, not the one you have after. Yeah. You're not supposed to compare. Nope. Is that similar to it is. the coffee scoring?
1: Yeah. It it absolutely is, especially, like, you know, the United States Bristad Championship. That's, like, what the whole training is about is, like, you're judging what's in front of you. We're supposed to put everything out. We are very much human, though, you know. So I can tell you, like I said, those 90-plus coffees, you better believe when I'm buying coffees for Archetype that I'm comparing those coffees. Oh, you bet. What I think has really helped us in – buying better and better and better coffees is because we've been exposed to better and better and better coffees over the years. Yeah. And so it raises my standard of like what I want our coffee to be. And so even though it may not be this like crazy fancy farm, there's some farmers, small farms that are doing some awesome things. And so I think it's allowed us to taste and find better coffees because we've been have that exposure.
0: So we, we've talked about a couple farms that you've visited or encountered. And how do you Find these places because I don't think we're growing a lot of coffee in Nebraska, so you have to go out and, and seek them out. I mean, we do have Google, but like, you know, how do you how do you find these places?
1: Yeah, so I mean, you work with lots of different importers, uh, but then like, you know, going to competitions, you're tasting lots of different people's coffees, and then when we started traveling to origin, you're visiting lots and lots of different farms and getting exposed to so many different farmers, and so that's that opened up the whole world. Is you know, starting to visit you know those countries. And just travel around. Um, yeah, Yeah. So you just have to constantly be hunting, you know, good coffees and always be on top of the game.
0: That's fantastic. And so you already mentioned Colombia. Have you got any more uh, passport stamps uh, traveling elsewhere to go visit coffees?
1: Yeah, we've been to Mexico. Um, matter of fact, I was down in Mexico 2020, March, uh, mm. when the, the, big, oh, dear. the COVID bomb dropped. Yes. Uh, so we actually got shipped back early, which was interesting. But yeah. uh, I've been to El Salvador. So 2020, I was hoping to do Mexico, Ecuador, and Ethiopia. Okay. So that was the goal. And then since then, it's kind of been on pause Um uh, I just didn't feel it was responsible for me to travel when, you know, we were able to get the shots. But, you know, a lot of those countries didn't have exposure to the medicine. And so you're traveling to these very remote places. And so I didn't want to risk potentially, even if I was asymptomatic or whatever, you know, bring right. me to those, those areas. So we kind of push pause for a little bit on traveling to farms. That
0: makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So what's, what's happening at Archetype at the moment? Now, I know you said you're preparing for competition. So what's happening there?
1: Yeah. So it's competition season, uh, which is always tricky because we come out of holiday season and you're just like, <laughs> right in it. No, it's just right in It's like the worst. It's like the busiest time. And then normally it's like, oh, we've got a little lull. But since it's competition, you just put your head head down. And so, um, yeah, we just bought a brand new roaster uh, called Stronghold okay. um, for competition coffees. And so we just got that. So we're trying to get that hooked up and dial in. Um, we have three coffees for competition that we're hopefully going to be using. And so really it's just got our our head down trying to run trying as fast to, towards that. Yeah. Trying to
0: do all those things. So how does the coffee that you get – because you you roast all of your coffee at yeah. Archetype. How does the coffee come to you? Is it you know berries, dried berries? How, how does that work? No. So
1: it's green. So coffee is the seed of a coffee cherry. <laughs> And so, yeah, we get green coffee and then we sample roast it and try to figure out what we're gonna buy. So, we work with different importers, we work with different farmers, they send you samples, you sample roast them all, you cup them all, score them all, and then figure out what you're gonna buy for the year. Yes, yeah, so once you get it, we just start
0: roasting. Start roasting. So, yeah. I I bet that smells delicious. Now, do you roast? Daily? How often do you roast? We roast about three times a week right now. Three times a week. Yeah. And how how much poundage or like how, how much coffee <laughs> are you roasting? We
1: roast a lot. Yeah. We have quite a few wholesale accounts, and then uh-huh. like a website with lots of different subscriptions. And so, yeah, we're roasting on currently on a thirty kilo roaster. So we're roasting about forty five pounds at a time. Gotcha. And then yeah, and then like. For your specialty coffees, um, like, you know, for Christmas, we always offer some pretty insane coffees. Um, Those we usually roast on like like the Stronghold, like a much smaller roaster, because when you're putting a very expensive coffee in there, Uh you know, if you... 45 times whatever the dollar amount of the cost, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you don't want to screw that up.
0: That's that's real fair. Yeah. That's real fair. Now, have, are there any farms or, or beans? So archetype is, I think we said nine years, about to be nine years yeah. old. Are, are there any coffees that you've had the entire time or are things kind of rotated as you've gone? It's kind of rotated. So when
1: you're small, you know, a lot of importers aren't like – hunting you out. Yeah. Obviously, supply and demand, they don't, you know, they know our demand is very low. So it's like, why would they be searching us out? So in the beginning, I just started putting more eggs in fewer baskets. So working with okay. smaller importers to really develop those relationships and mm-hmm. cultivate those relationships. And then from that, we met Kyle um, Bellinger from Osito Coffee. Okay. His whole goal with his importing company was like, how can I connect roasters to farmers? Oh, you cool. Know? Small roasters aren't able to import directly because the risk is huge, and so. Yeah. But how can he still connect those farmers to those roasters so you actually have a relationship? So, um, when I said we were in Colombia, the first time Architect went to Colombia was like four years ago, and we started working with a young cooperative called La Mariah. Okay, they're a bunch of I call them kids. Um, they're all in their young 20s. And so a lot of them don't have enough coffee to sell on their own. And so they pull all of their coffee together. Um, and so we buy a big portion of Lamaray. We've been buying that for four years. Um, and then Lucy is one of the female farmers of the group. We've bought all of her pink bourbon, which is a special varietal. Okay. Um, we're the only ones in the US that, that have it. And we've bought it for the last three years. Wow. So, yeah. So we've got some, we're starting to develop. Some special relationships, but it's just taken a long time um, just being small and, you know, travel is not cheap. Right. And, yeah. So when I was in Mexico, we'd been buying from Teohumolco, which is another really unique cooperative in Mexico. We've been buying from them for two years. And so yeah. we're slowly now developing those relationships of farms that you're going to see, you know, rotate every year. So super that's, exciting.
0: That's fantastic. I, yeah. I I think it's so cool because one of the things I like about our, our small local business in Omaha and archetype obviously being one is that friendly personal feel and supporting. You know, here you and I I get to talk to the business owner here. You're not in a <laughs> lofty office somewhere, although if that's what you proceed to do someday, but <laughs> no. I you know, <laughs> but it's it's so cool to have that personal touch and the fact that you are able to make a personal connection to those that are providing your coffee as well. That's that's fantastic. Oh, I you. mean, yeah. that's a whole nother it, level. Yeah. We
1: always say you're not drinking – I mean, you're drinking someone's livelihood. Like you're drinking a farmer. You know, like yeah. most wines, you know what region it's grown from, you know, who's producing that wine. And so it's like the coffee world is finally getting away from just all blends and, you know, with just like a name on it. But you actually know what country it comes from, what region it grows in, how it's processed, and hopefully the farmer that you're actually buying from. So –
0: Wow. Wow. So farm a cup, a uh, long distance yeah, legit. there. So. Yeah, legit Farmed a cup. That's wild. That's wild. Uh, one term, and maybe you can help me out with this too. I, I seem to recall there's something about like first wave or second wave coffees or something sure. along those lines. So yeah. ju- can you educate me and, and those that listen to us? What What's that about? So there's
1: first wave, there's second wave, and now they call it third wave, which is what we do. And third wave basically didn't start happening. I mean, I think the first time it was uh, – lightly mentioned would have been in like the 70s. It didn't really get coined probably until I think 1999. Oh, wow. Okay. The second wave was when you're getting away from all commodity coffee, you know, and so it, Folgers, Robusta, um, second wave is like, okay, we're only drinking Arabica coffee, you mm. know, like the difference between Robusta and Arabica, Robusta is very bitter. It's It's super bitter, mostly commodity coffee, has tons of caffeine, and um, it's just really resistant to um, disease. And so that's the reason why, you know, everyone was producing it. Well, Arabica tastes way better. Um, And so it's like – that's why, you know, in the 50s, 60s, it's like Maxwell House, 100 percent Colombian. It was like stamped on there, you know, like 100 percent Arabica. And so – Then basically Pete's – Alfred Pete was kind of the one that said, you know, hey, we're going to start buying, you know, legit from farms and we're going to get away from all of the commodity stuff. And so he's kind of the one that started pushing it in that direction. And then, you know, it's like, well, hey, let's let's push it even further. Let's know who our farmer is, you know, how it's processed, what varietal it's coming from. And so third wave is kind of getting into that where it's like we're identifying with those farmers and its specialty. It's no longer gourmet. It's no Mm. longer – all commodity stuff, it's like more relationship based and it's more quality based.
0: Dave here, hope you're enjoying our show with Isaiah Sheese of Archetype Coffee, whose Blackstone location is at 3926 Farnham. Also, sneaking in a few more recommendations from Isaiah, check out El Basha for Mediterranean on Pacific and Blue and Fly on 72nd Street, where they have a more traditional Chinese menu available. Thanks for being with us today and we'll get back at it in just a moment. Last stop before the end of the show. If you've got value in your life from our show, be that entertainment, information, or maybe just a laugh, please consider sending value our way via Venmo or PayPal with at Fatterday Omaha, that's F A T U R D A Y O M A H A. And 20% of monetary contributions will go to a food based program or charity. Truly, thank you for listening and all your support. Welcome back to Fatterday Omaha. Dave Zorko here, and today we are talking all things coffee with Isaiah Sheese, the owner of Archetype Coffee. They have several locations, and you can find one of them at 1419 South 13th. Let's head to the show. Obviously, the, the appetite or thirst, I suppose, of those in the U.S. has... Uh, adapted and come along and I think people are enjoying you know these different coffees and different types and um, you know definitely from one coffee to another the the flavor can be radically different um, so you know as as evidenced by the coffee that you and I are drinking here I didn't I didn't even know that a coffee could have a sweet note that strong you know yeah. so that's that's awesome so did omaha take to what archetype's philosophy was pretty pretty rapidly, or did it take a minute for people to kind of catch on to, hey, we're doing something a little different here. I
1: think it took a little bit of time. uh, especially yeah. I mean, we don't we're not known to be dark roasters at all. And you know, it used to always be like, are you a light roaster or a dark roaster? That's not how we like to talk about coffee. Like Mm -hmm. we like to choose a profile that's gonna showcase the farm, the varietal, the processing. And so You know, when we're buying coffees, instead of doing light or dark, our goal is, like, buying wine or beer. You know, like, you can buy beers that are light or beers that are, you know, have a big body. So, same way with us. We like to, if you want a coffee that's going to be heavier, like, a Brazil is going to be heavier. It's going to be fuller-bodied. It's going to be, like, nutty, more on the earthy side of things. But then we have coffees like, you know, our natural process Ethiopians are going to taste like you're drinking fruit juice. Oh, wow. Our goal is to develop the coffee fully and properly. So you're penetrating the inside of the green coffee and making sure that you're developing it enough so that you're not getting any roast off taste of underdevelopment and you're not getting any roast off taste of overdevelopment. So we try to hit that sweet spot.
0: Goodness gracious.
1: We use lots of science. We have an Actron, which basically reads your roast color. So you t- it basically... Almost like takes a picture of the outside and it'll tell you what degree of color that is, and then you wow. grind it the same one, and it'll basically take kind of like another picture. This I'm simpling it, simplifying it. Sure. And it'll tell you the color on the inside, so it will tell you your degree of roast from the outside to the inside.
0: Oh, so so how well is that when you were when you were discussing the the, the penetration of, of yeah. the roast? Was how yep. far into the bean it, it? Absolutely. Wow.
1: There's lots of different defects. So like, there's green defects. There's roast defects. And so, like, we try to mitigate all of those and use science as much as possible uh, to figure that out. So you, the end customer, aren't tasting those.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I, I assume there's there's lots of tasting and lab experiments to make sure that you yes. you have the right thing and the thing that you want to, to yeah. serve.
1: We use psychrometers. Um, we have moisture density readers. So we have a refractometer. We've got... Lots of
0: wow. toys. Okay, so so the 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 Agtron <laughs> was the one that was checking the out, roast color, the, yes. the roast color outside and inside yeah. of beans, and then you mentioned three other things a there.
1: Psychrometer. Yeah. What's,
0: <laughs> what what is that?
1: It's a wa- it's a water activity meter. Okay. So Coffee's a seed. You know, it's not a bean. It's not a legume. You know. Right. Uh, and so, <laughs> to be specialty grade, it has to be dried to a certain certain moisture content. Okay. And so. That's why we have the density moisture reader. So that will tell us, you know, is it dried um, to the right moisture content? Well, psychrometer will tell you the water activity. So is that moisture that is in there stable? Oh. And so mostly importers are the only ones that have those tools. But um, there are lots of defects, like I said. And so transportation is getting crazier and crazier. Sure. So, you know, is a shipping container sitting out in the ocean waiting to be unloaded? for way too long. And so once again, this is a seed. Right. And so it has a shelf life. And so the only way that we can make sure that we're getting coffee that is super stable and going to be the best quality for Omaha to drink yeah. is to make sure that we have those tools um, that importers are using as well.
0: Wow. And then the, uh, I think it was a refractometer. There's one that yeah. you, were, OK, yeah. So you were explaining this to me a little <laughs> bit earlier, but this is, this is cool. I, I like a little bit of some physics and science too. Yeah. So, so how does that work and what does it do?
1: So a refractometer will tell you exactly what your total dissolved solid is. So we take coffee, we grind it, we pour water over it. So what's soluble material is about 30%. Um, So if you just keep running water over it, that's going to be soluble. The rest is the coffee grounds we just throw away. But of the 30%, you actually only want to extract around 18 to 22%. And so a refractometer will tell you exactly how much you've dissolved and give you a reading. And then you have to be able to correlate that to taste. So once again, like it gives you a reading, but you still have to be able to understand what that reading means and how it tastes and how it applies to your beverage.
0: The the human factor is, yeah. is still there. Absolutely. Still there. Yeah. Now, do you, are the coffees that you prepare for competition, um, do you, you know, are they roasted differently? I know you said too, that depending on where the competition is, you might get something that's way out of the box or, or not as out of the box. Yeah. Or is there a, um, a hard difference, I suppose, from the coffee that I'm going to get at the the counter archetype versus what you might serve in competition, or I might get a competition coffee there. I, yeah. Like how does, how does that work? We, yeah. Usually after competition, I'll serve my competition coffee. We usually do
1: it like one or two days. They're usually really expensive. And so it's kind of a tricky thing to navigate. Yeah, You know, like once coffee is roasted, um, it's a perishable product, you know, so there's a shelf life of it. So Even normally when I'm competing, there's a certain day that I'm going to brew that coffee on for competition. Um, Usually it's around like day 13 to 15 off of roast. And so, you know, when you roast that expensive coffee, you just don't want it sitting on the shelf. So that's normally the reason why in Omaha we'll just do like one or two special days, put a blast out and be like, hey, we're serving this. Come and get it. Um,
0: Limited engagement.
1: Limited (laughs) engagement for sure.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. There's just so many bits and pieces, and so for for those out there that thought there was just some some beans that you threw in a cup, there's obviously a lot more to it, especially when you're putting the care and time that, that Isaiah yeah. you and Arch, archetype are putting in there. Um, so with the, with the beans, and, and so you actually brought uh, some some beans with you. I've got a uh, an Ethiopian looks like here with notes of gin and tonic. Uh, bergamo and apricot and some, one from Honduras with brown sugar, cacao nib, and cashew flavor. So very different. Very different. Different. So sounds like you've done the, the hard work ahead of time so that by the time it gets either in my cup that I get at Archetype or, or these beans uh, that are whole bean here, um, you've done that hard work. So- it, I mean, it's pretty easy if somebody comes into Archetype; they can just buy a cup and enjoy your yeah. your, your labor there. Um, but if if somebody's going to make it at home, do you have any like, you know, brewing tips or anything to make <laughs> sure you get a decent cup of coffee for yourself? If you if you do pick up some whole bean here,
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, your coffee is only as good as your water, so coffee is ninety eight percent water. So you want to make sure that you're using good water, so filtered water spring water is great. There's like third wave packets, third wave water packets. Oh, really? There's a couple different companies that do it, but it's basically all the exact minerals that you need, the pH that you need to make the best coffee. So you basically wow. buy a gallon of distilled water, you dump that packet in there and shake it up and then you have perfect brewing water. Oh. So for the coffee geeks at home that want to have the same water that we use, like yeah. that's the way to do it. Otherwise, I say just get a great spring water. The next thing is just a good grinder. You know, you want a burr grinder. If you're using a blade grinder, the problem with it is, is you're going to have lots of fines and lots of boulders. And so you're going to yeah. have a very uneven extraction because the fines will overextract, the boulders will underextract. And so it's never going to be consistent. Other than that, you know, I mean, people don't realize like you're calibrated to drinking your coffee, how you brew it at home every day. Ah, So I can elevate your game, but honestly, like our coffee is awesome. So if you're doing it the same way that you're doing it, uh-huh. like
0: you're going to enjoy it just about the same. When you mentioned the third wave coffee packet and the minerals, so distilled water, but you need minerals and things in the water to extract flavors from coffee. You don't want yeah, anything don't want that's just with water. nothing. Yeah, no. Yeah,
1: yeah. so you want a, a specific alkalinity, you want a specific hardness. And so if for coffee to extract, you need minerals in it. We always say, like, water's a recipe. Yeah. There's some companies out there that will sell you all the different things that you need. So if you wanted to kind of go like Bill Nye Science Guy on it. Yeah. And so like for competition, Jesus, one of my says he'll be in the Brewer's Cup as well. So I'll be in Brewer's Cup and Barista. He does Brewer's Cup. We've been messing around with all sort of different like water recipes. And it's amazing like, you'll have a coffee, and you'll drink it, and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. And the next one, same exact coffee, same brew method, same everything, just different water. Yeah. Completely transforms it. No kidding. Yeah, so the coffee that he's going to be competing with, we've on our third or fourth different water.
0: Isaiah was prepping for coffee competition when we recorded this, and he even brought some amazing beanie goodness to the studio. This is a great conversation, and I learned a lot. I hope you enjoy our talk, too. Wow, it makes total sense hearing it from you. But I wouldn't have thought about that. I think I yeah. would I- instantly go to the beans, the beans, the beans, the beans.
1: Yeah, beans, 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 but water, water, water. But water, but <laughs> like,
0: like you said, that that you know, ninety percent or ninety ninety x ninety eight percent. Yeah. So you you better think about that because that's yeah. honestly the number one ingredient. Yeah, you it's know.
1: huge.
0: It's huge. Wow, your fourth water. Yeah, the one that he did today is pretty awesome. So we might stick with it.
1: We'll we'll give it a couple of days and try it again.
0: So you prepared this coffee for us to to share this evening, and, yeah. and so uh, tell me about the water that I'm drinking. And what am I drinking?
1: <laughs> so our water, uh, we worked with Phil from uh, uh He has a little water company. They do um, reverse osmosis. So before I opened archetype, I had him make me up like ten different waters. Yeah. We had our coffee and we cupped the coffee with the 10 different waters. We narrowed it down to our three. And then we tasted it multiple times just to see which one. And we ended up with a specific water that we like with our coffee. So the other thing that people don't think about is we roast our coffee for our water. Sure. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's like the tricky thing is like you people are like, oh, it doesn't taste like it, like it does at the shop. And I'm like, well – It's our water. So then I try to give people pointers on, like, well, what water are you using? Because, you know, if you're just using Brita water, it takes all the bad aromas out of it, but it's still very hard, hard water. And so Mm -hmm. the coffee's not going to be near as vibrant and sparkly Mm -hmm. as it is
0: in the shop. Omaha tap water, is that going to... It's brutal. It's brutal because it's super hard, right? It's, It's brutal,
1: <laughs> it you, so you
0: gotta gotta go first. Listen,
1: don't don't <laughs> he's don't hurt my coffee, man. I was you,
0: the, and, and the listeners can't see, but I'm like the look on his face was like, please, whatever you do, don't take tap water. Please don't do it. It's not yeah. It's not it's not worth it. It's no, not.
1: all that blood, sweat, and tear from those farmers. Listen, do it for the farmers, guys. Lu, Lu, Lucy out
0: there that was making that Serious. varietal, and then all the omitors that you have. Please yes. don't disgrace the the. Hard work and the spring science. water. Spring water. Just get get, spring water. I I must confess. Until this evening, <laughs> uh, especially when I do cold brew, I may or may not use tap water. Hey, there's so no I'm, shame. I'm, I'm gonna have to to try it though.
1: There's no shame.
0: But a fun tasting experiment, I suppose, is to make two batches, side one side. with the tap, and then, yeah, and just see what the difference is. Put, in put it
1: in the same cup, mark one cup, mix it around, mix it around, mix it around, so you don't know which one, blind taste that thing.
0: I love it. Yeah. yeah. And so you had said there's uh, 10 categories of judging, which I'm, I'm glad it split up that way, because when you said one to 100, I'm like, that's a big scale, but it makes more sense that you're yeah. adding up those individual categories. Is there, like, a website out there where somebody can, like, download the tasting sheet so yeah. that you could grade your own coffee? Yeah,
1: especially Coffee Association. I Perfect. Mean, it's all there.
0: That's awesome. That's they've, awesome.
1: Yeah, they've got a flavor wheel too, which is a great tool um, that they redid the last couple of years. And so it's just like a flavor tasting wheel. Yeah. So just like wine. And it has like the defects on one side and then it has all the positive characteristics. So, you know, it starts with like earthy things, like the positive earthy notes, um, like chocolate and then like citrus fruits all the way to berries and all the way around.
0: This, this sounds like a, one of the possibly best like... Office team building things ever would oh, be yeah. like a big coffee tasting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because not only would it be delicious and fun, but everybody's going to be highly caffeinated oh, yeah. come, coming out of there. So it's, it gets rowdy. <laughs> the rowdy coffee tasting. So and and. Are there coffees out there? So no, this particular coffee has a little less caffeine level in it. So if yeah. if somebody you know if caffeine affects them strangely or anything, any recommendations on on something that that may not be as caffeinated that uh, you know folks can typically get or or something? I mean,
1: we've had like- decaf coffee. That's great. In the old days, like decaf was pretty trashy. It yeah, was pretty terrible. Like in the beginning, I was like, I'm not serving decaf. Like, is it just didn't taste good? Sure. Um, but basically, they've. You know, in the early years, they were using formaldehyde.
0: Oh, dear. Yeah,
1: which most people didn't realize that. And so that's the reason why Swiss water became so popular is because it's like, oh, is this Swiss water process? Because it's like you don't want to use crazy chemicals. You don't want to drink it, right? Ingest it. Well, now, even years, you know, gone by, now they're using ethyl acetate, which are like sugar. It's like alcohols from sugars. Okay. And they actually are able to extract the the caffeine out. And it keeps a lot more of the integrity of the coffee together. So our decaf actually tastes like coffee, which is really nice, which is really weird to say. But like yeah. in the early years when I was doing coffee, like you'd open the decaf bin. And it, I'm telling you, it smelled like McNuggets from McDonald's. <laughs> and the only reason why I know that is because I worked there in high school. So, so, you know. so I know I'm like, oh, yeah, this is chicken nuggets. It was always the weirdest thing. I was like, how do people drink this? And so – yeah, the last like, you know, you know, 10 years they've done they've light years of, of research and come a long way to ma- actually making it taste good.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I. mean, now if you if you did have a coffee that tasted like McNuggets, I, I don't know. No 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 no, no. No. No, no. No, no. 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 Maybe. Maybe. Maybe No. No. Maybe McRib. No. Definitely no. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, well, good deal. So, um, so more preparation for competition coming up. Yeah. And uh, archetype always has has good things happening and and a warm environment there as as always and knowledgeable staff that you know knows what's going on and Thank you. so. Uh, um and yeah it's a good deal any anything else happening in the the local coffee scene at archetype anywhere that you you want to get out there and and t- let the, the local, people know let the people know yeah, what, what yeah. Any, let any, people know about? your your soapbox preach on 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 some no, coffee here. Okay. Support
1: local you yeah know, quit quit going to scooters and starbucks and uh dunkin donuts and so, there's plenty of coffee shops out there I mean Hardy has multiple locations yeah we got Zen and amateur and uh that yeah. seed. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of places. To go. Rally down. You have rally downtown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's coffee shops almost everywhere that you could actually support locals. So, I mean, if I was gonna get a soapbox, that's what I would say.
0: That's that's perfect. And yeah, yeah and and yeah, canvassing the city, you can find local shops just about, just everywhere. about everywhere. So, and we've got yeah, you know, uh, Beanery now is kind of on the the outskirts yeah, on there. The outskirts. So yeah, yeah. So. Stories
1: I think is out west. And, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, there's quite a few shops if you want if you want to support local, and I think That's everyone
0: awesome. should. Do Do you collaborate ever with with some of the the local shops on it? Do you guys Do you guys talk shop, talk coffee every once in a while, or I is mean, it like, mm, you know? I
1: mean, it's not like that. I mean, every now and then we do. Every now and then, you know, there's a latte here at Throwdown, which is fun if if you've never participated or come to watch. I mean, it's a pretty rowdy rowdy event. So nice. Um, yeah, I think there's actually one coming up. I want to say Zen Coffee might be putting it on. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Gee
0: Zen, we didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: they yeah, they're trying to do some things, building some fun community. So,
0: yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, uh, I, Isaiah, I truly this is I could talk for a full another hour, uh, but <laughs> definitely want to be respectful of your time. And I am, I am so appreciative. So we, um, you know, we had talked and we we kind of scheduled pretty quick, fast, and in a hurry. So you and I must have been caffeinated properly to get this going. Yes. Um, but the fact that you showed up with all the gear. Brewed coffee in here. We have quite the uh, uh, high level coffee. If you were gonna, what 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 was our, our one through hundred rating on this on this coffee?
1: Oh, this coffee. I mean, so in the coffee world, there are Q graders, which are basically coffee graders like a sommelier. This coffee you were asking about a score sheet. It came scoring over ninety. Nice. So um, yeah,
0: so definitely a high. A it's high super
1: impact. high. Yeah. yeah, the sweetness is so high. The body is um, very structured, and so yeah, it's a very high-scoring coffee.
0: I, I love it, and and this was definitely a a high-scoring conversation for me between the start with the coffee prep, and I learned so much and it was so fun talking with you isaiah thank Likewise. you so much for being here Yeah, I thanks for it. having us awesome well we will uh sign it off here in fatterday omaha dave zorko here and as we say until we eat again stay hungry bye our show is recorded and produced by fatterday omaha you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook as well as email fatterdayomaha at gmail.com thanks for listening and stay hungry.